Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook and brought to you today by Chevalier Mortgage. Both Mike and Virginia locals here to Colorado, CSU alums and longtime supporters of us here at DNVR. Head on over to www.dnvrmortgage.com to check them out. Get yourself signed up for a free consultation and also have the opportunity to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Sure, you're probably hearing how great mortgage rates are right now, but Mike and Virginia are not just your typical mortgage company. They have phenomenal rates, but what really makes them different is that Mike is a certified financial planner and looks at so much more than just the rate when designing your home loan. Also, they're a small family-owned company, so you'll always feel like a person and not a number. Again, head on over to DNVR Mortgage, or you can call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. Rudo and AJ coming at you here. It's been a bit of a day, but today is the day after the WJCs, where... AJ doing a little bit of long-distance fist-pumping here, I imagine, as Team USA bringing home the gold medal, the AJ, uh, the Winnipeg household, I suppose, a little bit torn asunder, perhaps? Uh, it would have been a true honor and pleasure to have been sleeping on the couch in Winnipeg last night. <laughs> as, uh, that would have been the ultimate champagne of victory uh, as she threw my pillow down the stairs. So it, uh, it it was metaphorical instead. We did not talk much. Uh, we were honestly busy for the first part of the of the yeah, game. We were working for sure, and then yeah, doing other things. But yeah, yeah, and then uh, and and then you know the third the third period. It was very like mm. <laughs> soak it in a little bit. I, honestly, I just I just kept waiting. I, I've been the dis- pain was coming. <laughs> I've been disappointed by USA hockey for a long time for a lot of reasons, uh, and this is like the thing, man. This is the thing that the Canadians close consistently. Yep, they do really well here. Um, Not it was this awesome. Time. It Not- was a great, you know. It was especially satisfying as somebody who has believed a lot in Spencer Knight. Yeah, um, that first game of the tournament against Russia was such an aberration from what we saw with him at BC last year, and even in the uh, the development program before that, he's always been such an aggressive and high quality puck handler. And to see to see him play the way that he did against Russia was like, this is a mess. Yeah, this is not this is not Spencer Knight. But yeah, and then, of course, you have all the people who don't watch prospects and have no other hockey going on tuning in and being like, oh, I see the experts got this one right again. And you had a lot of the you had a lot of the same crowd that's always like, this is why you don't draft a goaltender in the first round. And it's like, okay, well, what do you got to say about after last night if we're going to be a judging game by game here on, you know, seven-year decisions after after one night? I mean, that's a good caveat for this entire show, right? If you're judging everything by the WJCs, Dennis Godla would be an all-star in the NHL. Well, and we got a we got a question uh, on Twitter from somebody that asked if uh, a team should sign Sebastian Ranishitz, and it's like, no. and it's and well, and and then you go and you look at his profile, and it's like, look, did he play admirably for a comically overmatched Austrian team? Totally. Like I still gave up ten goals. Yep. <laughs> Had a and, save percentage well below nine hundred. And well, and and then you go and you look at uh, you look at his numbers. Okay, look at the look at the the measurables. Doesn't have very good size. Not bad size, but it's average. So yep. that's not that's not a feather in the cap. Uh, he's not playing against really high level of competition, and he's not performing particularly well against it. So yep. it was just like this is. This is what happens when you watch a, a short tournament like this, where it's like, okay, this this dude might play well for a day or two, but you keep it all into perspective. The guy still was giving up. I mean, the guy was getting lit up in with Nintendo numbers against him. Yep. And you know, I think this last night was just a great redemption for Spencer Knight. Yeah. 
you know, he he had that, and then Dustin Wolf came in, and then they they shut everybody out until the Finland game. They set the WJC record for longest shutout streak ever in tournament history, and then they posted another one last night. Their and first they shutout came, in a medal game ever, by the way. And by the way, came out of the group of death first place. Yep. Walked through a very difficult path outside of the Slovakia team was there was really their weakest was the weakest game that they played outside of the uh, Austria. The loss, well, the loss to Russia was, was pretty rough, but, but I mean, I mean like in terms of opponents, like Oh, you their, mean opponent. Okay. Yeah, yeah, their yeah. path was difficult, man. They came, they won the group of death. Uh, and then, you know, they, and they did so by beating the other teams except Russia. And then, uh, you know, and then and then they beat Finland and Canada. They beat the only two other teams from the other group that were any good at this tournament. I mean, to be honest with you, you got to give it to them. That's a the, the the Americans had a great tournament and a great run, and they earned every bit of that gold. And it sucked that it got tainted by the whole barrel nonsense. Yeah, I. What was, you know, what was interesting about this American team, because going into the tournament, look, don't get me wrong, extremely talented team, not going to take anything away from them, but they weren't the super ridiculous stacked team that they were in years prior. They didn't have Jack Hughes here, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, missing a couple of other key pieces from previous seasons. And then you look at Team Canada, and that team was stacked out of this friggin' world. I mean, the entire team outside of their goaltenders is first-round picks. Yeah, just and absolutely it's like, absurd. It's like all first-rounders, Jordan Spence, and goaltenders. Like, yep. they were just loaded up. Like, it from the last two years, it was it was like half of the first rounds. Yep, it's actually ridiculous. It was How insane. Many? Like, there's so much talent that the Canadians had. And... I'm. I was kind of blown away, honestly. Um, the the American defense. I did not like the way that they played for most of the tournament. I didn't like a lot of their game last night. They had they they had some serious issues on that defense, and I don't like very many of the players on that American defense as pro prospects. And somehow, man, it they made it. They made it work. Yep. They made it end. I think maybe the thing that I discounted the most was how good their team defense was. Um, you look at their forward core, and it's and it's just full of guys that are good two way players, top to bottom, basically. Yeah, I mean, They're- even tiny little five foot nine Brett Berard, <laughs> just a super feisty, you know, maximum e- effort kind of guy really was effective uh, in all zones of the ice, and that that played a huge role. Their one guy who I'd call maybe a weak link in the defensive zone was Trevor Zegras, who was an absolute freaking monster on the offensive side. So That, and, in, in, you know, I'm not a WJC historian. Um, there are some years I, I spend more time with it than others because of, you know, just the based NHL, on- obviously the NHL season is still going on. Yeah. Some there are times where I'm on the road and there are games at two o'clock in the morning and it's a little tough, you know. Um so I'm you know, I'm I don't wanna I don't wanna make too big of a deal historically about the Zgross performance, but for my money, it was one of the most memorable WJC performances uh, from a single player in a long time. Every shift, every game, he was just magnetic. The puck just followed him around. And he's such a wizard with it on his stick. You know, we, you go back to you go back to the draft coverage from his draft season, and there was a ton of love there about the skill level that it was through the roof and it was on par with anybody in the draft. But the big concern was how will all of the flashy stuff that he got so well known for translate to the next level? A year later, and. If you were to redraft that class, I depending on how you feel about Jack Hughes and, and Capo Caco, man, I <laughs> Trevor Zegras certainly would go top five in a redraft, I think. Uh, yeah, I 
look, it's it's always impossible to compare. Yeah, non NHL play with NHL play, but you'd have them in the conversation for top three right now, probably. Well, I'm yeah, I because I think Doc and and Byram have certainly done nothing to diminish yep. themselves as prospects. Yep. Uh, if you liked those guys more than you liked Seagrass, you probably still do. Um, it would just be Hughes and Kako as the how you feel about it. How both of them had really tough years with Hughes having the big caveat of he's very small. So it was going to be a big adjustment anyway. And he made the leap that nobody else had ever made from the USHL to the NHL. And the dude hit like five posts before scoring his first goal. Oh (laughs) dude, he was so snake bit for a while last year. So, you know, I'm still pretty high on Jack Hughes. I'm a little nervous about Kakao. Not so nervous. I didn't take him in our fantasy draft uh, but <laughs> i'd i'd be a lot less <laughs> nervous if i knew kako wasn't going to be stuck on the third line in new york yeah <laughs> yeah the rangers all of a sudden getting you know in a year's time span adding uh lafreniere and panera into that forward course yeah. like, oh, well there's there's some guys now yep <laughs> that he's got to share you know and he's he's on the right side those guys are going to be on the left so he's get to she's going to share the ice with one of them if he's if he doesn't make a big leap next to those guys, you serious? You're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate too much on a 19 year old kid in the NHL last year. Um, just to say, Zegras looks awesome, and as a guy, he's one of the few uh, guys that's actually leaving that tournament and going straight to training camp. And as much as I'm excited to see the. Uh, as much as I'm excited to see the uh, uh, West Division and the Abs kind of stomp their way through it, Zegras' guy is going to cause some problems if he's in the NHL, and I don't know why he wouldn't be. Yeah, you. I mean, especially if there was a question after that WJC performance, be real hard to keep him off the roster now, for sure. We're going to get to Byram here in a minute. Yep, we will but, talk about all of the Abs guys very soon. Um, go ahead. Okay. I take our first period break there then since we might as well at that point. This podcast is sponsored by Breckenridge Brewery. I got myself a Hop Peak IPA right here. It's a little little fuzzy, but you can almost see it. Highly recommend going down to the farmhouse in Littleton if you haven't checked it out yet. They have dozens of flavors of beer for everyone, whatever type of beer you like. They have as I almost burped that beer back up. They have a flavor for you. <laughs> Uh, check them out down there. If you're not local, use the Breck Beer Locator online to find a Breck Beer near you. If you're in the States, they have at least some kind of beer all across the country. Highly recommend you check them out. And, of course, we have DraftKings Sportsbook as well, the number one rated sportsbook app out there with amazing odds boosts every single day. These guys, honestly, at times it does legitimately feel like they're just giving away money. So why not jump on it and get yourself some free money when you sign up with a new account with code DNVR today. Heading into the football playoffs this coming weekend here, DraftKings is giving you the chance to double your money when anyone scores a touchdown on Saturday. One touchdown this weekend, I guess Saturday specifically, and you get to double your money. That's They're giving you money for free. That's what they're doing. Jump on it. Pretty much doesn't matter what team you favor, or if you favor no teams. Just sign up for the bet and get yourself twice as many dollars. If that's not your thing, of course, the NBA season going on right now where they have amazing bets every single day, as I already mentioned, and they're super safe, secure, and reliable. So it makes it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to have a shot at doubling your money when that touchdown inevitably gets scored on Saturday. Again, code DNVR to let them know we sent you on over there. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. I do need to step away for one minute here, but I will leave you with AJ and his thoughts on... Let's start with Justin Barron at this tournament because I think he was one of the quietest members of team Canada at this tournament. 
This is where I just stare awkwardly into the camera for 40 seconds, shell-shocked, not knowing what to do. There you go. Chat, just ask him some questions. He'll answer. There, there you fine. go. No, you know, I think um, the big thing with Baron that uh, I noticed at this tournament, obviously him, he's playing a, a really limited, very specific third-pairing role. Um, but I, I honestly, I liked, I liked him early on. As the tournament went on, I liked him less. I liked his game less and less. Um, he looked really uncomfortable moving the puck. Uh, a lot of turnovers, a lot of unnecessary icings, struggles uh, with the puck that I just was not expecting to see much of. Um, they were asking him to, he had kind of the keep a simple stupid sort of game uh, or, or sort of role that they were asking him to play uh, where it was just don't, don't screw this up, get pucks out, move them and, you know, be, be a little better offensively than certainly he was. I was really, I was, I was disappointed, uh, honestly, that, his offensive game just did not look good at all. Um, when you compared it, even even to the guys that you think of as more polished defenders in the Caden Goulets and Braden Schneiders, um, Barron just didn't look as good. He just didn't look like the same caliber of player. And obviously, you're not you're not like writing off that pick. Uh, and and oh my god, he has made a huge mistake. But given that given that the conversation on draft night was Justin Barron or JJ Paterka, um, who I am supremely confident would have been the selection had Barron not been there, um, you have to feel like JJ Paterka is the superior prospect coming out of this tournament if you were just basing it off the tournament and not an entire body of work. Paterka looked great and he excelled. He was also playing next to Tim Stutzla, who looks awesome. Um, Justin, Justin Barron in the, in the third pairing role, a little bit just did not shine, um, in, in a major way, uh, Barron, not, not, not really, um, sickness, uh, honestly, he's, he's been, he's played a number of games in the queue. He had like a good month in the queue, I think. Yeah. He, there really shouldn't, Rust should not be much of a factor there for him. He's one of the few guys that actually got to play. Um, yep. the guys in the queue were the only ones in the CHL that really had a chance. Um, I, so I'm, uh, I, I don't have like heavy, it's not like a heavy criticism of Baron, just that there were some, there were some weaknesses in his game that, that were problematic. I didn't think that he played particularly well at times. Yeah, it was I, I kind of weird. I, I think it kind of almost went downhill as the tournament went on at the start of the tournament i really liked his game i thought he made a lot of really really intelligent plays and and with his physical gifts and abilities which for someone his size he does skate quite well it looked like a really good combination and then he just kind of disappeared as the tournament went on and you know obviously culminating in in a couple of mistakes against russia in the semifinals. the goal ended up getting called back but him just yeah. falling down in front of his goalie kind of summed it up. Yeah, I think the thing that caught me off guard the most was he just gave up the blue line. Yeah, was not strong at all. Defensively, he just gave up free zone entries um, and was just playing it super duper safe. And like maybe that was something that was being asked of him, but I just, I've seen better. From him, I know he's capable of better than that, which is one reason why I'm not like taking this to the bank. This is the first time I'd ever watched him play. I'd be really disappointed that Colorado drafted him. This is my only evaluation of him. I'd be concerned, you know. I but I liked the player at Halifax, and I I like the player today. But it just it was, you know, it's always better when you see your big guns show out first round picks, yeah, especially sheltered role or not. You want to see those guys look good. And Baron, I thought of the four abs at WJCs, I thought Baron was the worst of them. Yeah, I think by a good margin, to be honest. Um, So definitely room for improvement for Baron there. To be fair, 
before the tournament, he did have seven points in eight games over in the queue. So he looked he looked good in the queue. Yeah. He looked like the guy that hey, he's healthy and he's finding a rhythm and he's rocking and rolling and he's does a good Halifax team with some serious talent and another first round pick at forward that they've got on that roster. And he's he look guy looks good. I think he's gonna be just fine. I'm not I'm not long term, I'm not worried about Justin Barron at all. I it's certainly an absolute worst case scenario. It's far too early to be making any decisions on the guy, but I think he's still a super solid prospect and we'll see what, if he gets the opportunity to play hockey again this season, we'll see what else he can do. And then years in the future, we'll, we'll play it by ear a little bit, but let's move on to the two studs of team Canada. I guess we'll start with Alex Newhick here. Point per game player, six points in six games for him. Did have that little bit of a injury scare, suspected to be a shoulder thing going on, but that seemed totally fine as he showed up and completely destroyed the the very he took one game off and then the next game just crushed it. That was I think Alex Newhook showed exactly the type of player he's capable of being in that yeah. with with raw physical gifts out the wazoo. And when he's fully active and engaged on both ends of the ice, the kid's insane. I, I said it before when we were mid tournament, but the thing that stuck with me was his all around polish. Yep. Uh, I watched a lot of him in the BCHL uh, with Victoria and was nervous about his defensive game. We talk about him taking the reins from Nazem Kadri. If that's going to happen, his defensive game has to be on point immediately. Yep. He can't come in and be a sieve. You know, he can't get run through. There's going, there's rookie growth, and there's you know adjustments, and there's going to be mistakes, and blah 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 blah. But if this guy is going to take the second line center job from Nazem Kadri, either you know, I, I don't think it'll be next year, but. You know, two years out. Sure. If he's going to, if 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 the ads are going to be justified in maybe not letting Kadri, or, or letting Kadri walk in free agency at the end of his contract in two years, because of because of Newhook, his defensive game is going to be a huge part of that. You're not worried about the offense at all. It's there. Yeah. It's there now. He could be in the NHL today with his offensive profile. Um, the big thing he still needs to get bigger and stronger, and I think that that was exemplified by. He got he got stood up at the blue line and and went out with took, injury. Yeah, took some contact and immediately was was nope oh, nope he's done and he misses the game. Ends up being a minor thing, but it's a, it's it's one of the concerns that you have. It's not that he's really small; it's that he has a slight build. He needs to fill out a little bit more. You're talking about the NHL here, and you're talking about a franchise that's frankly does not need to rush him. The only reason we were talking about him, I mean, when he was drafted, you and I said two years, no matter what. Yep. And the only reason that he's still at BC is because the organization that drafted him was too good. Yeah. At the NHL level, because if he was in, if he was in LA King right now, you think that he wouldn't have an NHL contract. If he was a Detroit Red Wing, you don't think he would be, he would be there. Yeah, those teams' top six, man. Like <laughs> right. You know, if Montreal had drafted him, which they should have done anyway. I mean, you don't think that that guy would be pushing their their top three centers? They would have some combination of Suzuki, Newhook, and Coach Kaniemi. That's scary. Exactly. Like you don't you don't think he'd be there right now? No, he one hundred percent would have been there. But the Abs have the luxury of of waiting on him a little bit. I I don't love the idea of a third year in college, but I also I want to see him fill out a little bit more. The strength has to get better. I I agree that the strength has to get better, but absolutely not a third. I mean, I would put him in the AHL before. Yeah, if you're that concerned about it, if it doesn't get that much better, but he has to fill out. Sure, he needs to add weight. I'm I'm fine with that, but I think even at his current weight, he could play in the NHL and be fine. Yeah. The Avs don't have to make that decision yet. Even even if he's in the NHL, this in twenty one twenty two. Nazem Kadri will still be here for that year. So. Yeah, and you're looking at, I mean, they're going to lose, they're going to, realistically, they're probably losing Brandon Sott and maybe one other forward to the expansion draft. Yep. 
So there's going to be jobs available. You know, they've already got Martin Kaut. They've already got Logan O'Connor. They've already got Shane Bowers. Alex Newhook's got to find a spot somewhere, right? And you're not going to, you're not going to not give Alex Newhook a job because Logan O'Connor took a, took a step forward or something this year. But right. I'm just saying they've got to figure this out. They've got to sort through the enviable problem of having too many good young players just hanging around waiting to trying to trying to steal jobs here trying to trying to earn NHL ice oh shucks yeah well and and they're also i mean you're also losing belmar you're also losing calvert like you're losing a lot of leadership and depth off of your forward core next year that's fair I, you know new hook's got to find a way uh, i i want to see him get stronger the offensive game at this tournament was everything that has been advertised in the last year uh, with him. Yep. I'm not at all bothered. Any any of the people that want to talk about line mates, well, guess who he's going to play with in the freaking NHL? <laughs> Those guys are going to be pretty damn good in their own right. So if you're telling me that his biggest flaw is that he he excels with good line mates, well, gee golly willikers. It, you're talking about a guy potentially playing alongside Andre Burakovsky and whoever yeah. fills that other side of the second line, like yeah. whatever, whatever the, you know, what, whatever the mixture is, um, it's not going to matter that much. Yeah. Like Plenty he's probably, around. He's probably his rookie year. He makes the most sense as Sod's replacement on the left wing next to, next to Kadri, maybe next to Kadri and Landis Cup. Like, oh darn! Yeah. <laughs> oh well, his big, the big, the big thing that oh he he's only good at BC because he plays next to Matt Boldy. What's he gonna be like next to Landis Cog and Kadri? Oh geez. Well, Kira doesn't want to hear about losing Denim Daddy, so she will. Yeah, I mean, Evan's take was that he gets re-signed on the hot takes in our bottom six video today. So. I mean, to be honest with you, he might. <laughs> like, they absolutely would be justified in being like, ah, oh, one of these guys, we want to bring, we don't want to lose this much leadership and this much veteran experience at one in one go. Let's bring one of them back on a cheap one-year deal. Okay. If it's going to be, if they're, if they're going to do it, if they're going to bring one of Calvert or Belmar back on a cheap one-year deal, bring back Calvert. Yep. I would agree. Nothing against Belly. Great guy, but. Calvert has been certainly more consistently productive over the course of his career um, by quite a good margin. Dragon Jim asks, is Baron eligible for the WJC next year? He is not. He is too old and will age out next season. Well, what, so what, I guess my, just a quick follow-up from what we've seen of Baron so far between Halifax and WJCs, do you give him the ELC and put him in the AHL next year? On, yes. the Tim, on the Timmons path. For any bona fide NHL prospect, I believe it's a mistake to give them an overage year in the CHL. It's just the wrong answer. Okay. If you I'm fine with it. It's an ag- I think it's an aggressive promotion, but I'm I have no issues with it. If you believe that those guys can make the NHL, then you have to believe in them against professional competition at age twenty. You just have to. Do you worry? Do you worry maybe that not, and this is not so much a Baron related question, but an organizational question that his, there are so many likely ELCs coming in on the next year's Eagles team anyway, between, you know, Annan and Bocage and I worry a lot more if he wasn't a defenseman. Okay. Well, but, I'm just I'm just saying like all these guys are going to hit at the same time. Do you worry about making the Eagles maybe a little too young? Uh, I don't think it's possible. If it were up to me, the AHL would be a, a solely developmental league. Period. Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't even kind of agree. No. No, not at all. You need some of these. You need like the the Anton Lindholm types. Right. And I'm not I'm not talking about the Mark Alts. I'm talking about like the Lindholm types where it's like he 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 gets it, but he's a good soldier about it and he's willing to help out the kids that are coming up behind him. 
and he's he's happy to keep playing hockey for another I, shot at the NHL. I don't disagree that you need those guys. I guess I shouldn't have said a solely developmental league. You need AHL veterans. You do. But I think that you should be looking at a significantly more limited number of them. I'm thinking like five or six of those guys. I'm not thinking... Like that's that's how I that's how I think it should be because uh, if you have and then the rest should be prospect ish guys because if you can fill out the rest of an AHL roster with prospects you're doing really well yeah, at the draft. that means your prospect depth is out of control <laughs> <laughs> you're doing really well at the draft yeah that, that's I I'll concede a little bit on that point to you then because you need to fill out your your AHL roster there's no way you're filling an entire team with bona fide prospects you're just yeah not, it's but. it's mostly just like play them and the abs problem is that they they get guys and they bury them yep and they don't they don't give them legitimate opportunities to do stuff nick henry is a great example of this you know ty lewis is an undrafted guy we were really excited about him and it just kind of didn't work out for him but nick henry had the skill to to play a much bigger role and it's really disappointing that spent the entire season on the fourth line and right you feel like you feel like okay his first pro year well he didn't do anything Yep. And that's that's my concern with the an aggressive promotion with Baron. Though, it, you know, he has the first rounds kind of like hype attached to him. So they're gonna they're they're more I, I would say they're naturally more emotionally invested on making sure they get the most out of that guy at the AHL. I mean, you run into a little bit of the chicken and the egg problem, right? If if Baron shows up in the AHL and doesn't play well right away, is it because he was just struggling off the start or because he didn't get opportunity. And then do you continue to give a player struggling that opportunity or do you end up burying him? It's a tough conversation to have, especially for a team like the Eagles. We've talked about it many times. The Avs AHL affiliate demands success. This is a team that has never missed the playoffs in their existence, regardless of what league they're in. This is it. it, That's, was one of like my very few concerns about the affiliation with the Eagles is that sometimes they get a little locked into that. Yep. And you end up with guys like Kale Kessie on ATOs. Yep. Taking up roster spots, you know, face puncher types that are taking up roster spots where you're like, Ty Lewis could have been at least giving you a chance there. Travis Barron could have been playing that role. Julian Nantel, JC Bowden. Those guys all could have been. Those guys all could have been doing something for you, guys that you use draft picks and ELCs on. Um, you know, Lewis being the undrafted one there, but it. At the same time, Logan O'Connor wasn't drafted either, and he came in and smoked successful. Yeah, you know, but you look at what's the difference. Logan O'Connor played in the top six. Yep. Logan O'Connor didn't get buried on a fourth line in the AHL and asked to do something bigger. So. That's that's where I just think it's it's tough. And with Baron, because of his age, um, it's a conversation. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a no matter what, it's going to be an abbreviated junior year. He's not going to get as many reps and as much ice time as he otherwise normally would have. So I think this was a big showcase for him for him to have performed quote unquote poorly. Um, you know, I just wonder how much it changes the math of it all. It can't be the driving force of, of a decision. Safe it's to say he didn't not enough help things. himself, though. Yeah. Uh, we can get a little bit off track there, so we'll take our second period break and tell you guys about MSU Denver. Now is the time to apply and register for classes. Spring semester starts January 19th, so you still have 13 days to get in on this and get yourself back to school or for school for the first time. Time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturns is an education, allowing you to adapt to varying careers. Go and build your toolbox at MSU. Or, you know, you can head in and just finish up a couple of classes if that's what you're looking for. If you almost have your degree, you can finish it out. If you're just getting started, you can get set up with an entire regimen of full schedule of classes. They're extremely flexible, whether you want to take classes online or in person, they have you covered. So jump on MSU Denver today and give it a try if you haven't yet. Highly recommend them myself. The teachers are amazing. Almost all of them come from the field that they teach about, so they can actually give you real-life experience and even be a good connection when it comes to getting a job in that field. 
third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Let's talk about, I don't know if he was the best player on Team Canada, but pretty much universally agreed that he was the best defenseman on Team Canada in Bowen Byram. This, AJ, I think you said it yourself, all this tournament did for Bowen Byron was cement that he is absolutely done with amateur hockey. <laughs> it's always, you know, every year we always, we always talk about, Oh man, what would it be like to go back and see what some of these guys could do against amateur competition? Oh, what would it be like if Nathan McKinnon was against amateur competition or whatever? Right. Yep. Like we, how, how would Kale McCarr, do in WJCs today. Well, guess what? We just watched an NHL caliber player do that. <laughs> it turns much. out he looks good. I mean, top to bottom, right? And everything about his game looked NHL ready from the physicality to the skating ability, to the puck management, to the defense, to the offense. The dude was just on another level. I don't know what to say about it, dude. It was awesome. I, my biggest concern with him as a prospect has been what he looks like defensively. Um, is he going to get eaten up? I've watched and That's mostly because I've watched him at two different training camps. Yep. Struggle a bit. Yeah. Just not handle NHL speed very well. And then at the end of their return to play camp last summer, it started to click. Yep. And all of a sudden <laughs> the confidence started to grow. I don't remember who it was, but he smoked somebody last year in their camp. And you could just see it was like the light bulb went on for him against NHL competition. And he took off from there. Looked so good for the rest of camp. He's absolutely a player that thrives on confidence as well. When that dude is feeling it, just get out of his way. Yeah, he is. uh, Because he plays such an aggressive style, such an attack-oriented style. You can't do that if you're feeling down in the dumps. Yep. I mean, just imagine, just, just, it's not hard to translate that to any of our everyday, average, normal, mortal human lives. You wake up and you're kind of feeling not great about yourself. You're not going to attack your day with a, a certain level of vigor. You kind of need something good to happen to you to get you feeling good about yourself again and get the ball rolling. And then you start to do great things. You'll never do great things when you're down here. You got to get to up here. And when his, and it's obvious when he's at that level of competition that there's no doubt in his mind he's the best player on the ice. He kicks their ass all over the place. He just, those that WJCs is great because you get to see the best of the best in a peer group. Bowen Byram showed us best of the best. I said earlier that I thought Bowen Byram was the best defenseman in the, in the world who was not already in the NHL. There wasn't a damn thing that happened at WJC that made me second guess that statement for even a microsecond. He kicked that tournament's ass. I wish you could live clip things on YouTube because that one would absolutely go in the like backlog of AJ inspirational like <laughs> quote stories. He, he dude, he it was just defensively the puck got near him. He already knew where he was going with it. He already knew what to do. And he makes it look so easy that it's easy to take it for granted. And then you watch other defensemen handle the puck. You watch Caden Goulet, a guy you and I both really liked. And then you watch him make decisions with the puck in, in a defensive zone situation. And you're like, there's work to do here. There's, it's that extra half second yeah. of having to think and make the decision. Whereas Bowen, a confident Bowen Byram, he gets the puck and he's gone. He already knows what he's doing. Yeah, it's you know you know how hard it is to attack offensively when there's a guy back there that every time the puck just gets near him, he sucks it up and either decides that he's gonna outskate somebody with it or he moves it immediately to the right guy and gets it the hell out of the zone. There's not there aren't any bad decisions. There's none of this like, oh, I I froze because this guy was coming at me and I had three different outlet options and I didn't know which one to take and I was afraid to make the big mistake. And so I let this guy get on top of me and then I turned it over and he strips me of the puck and he throws it out front and now it's a goal against. It's none of that garbage. 
None of that happens. He gets the puck and it disappears from his own his own zone. There's a like plus minus is a stupid statistic, but there's a reason the guy doesn't take minuses very often. Hard because the puck just when it's not in his zone, yeah, just doesn't stay there. <laughs> if he has anything to do with the play at all, like he was on the ice for one of the goals against last night, he didn't have anything to do with it. Yep, it it's. And it's it's fully well rounded. I, I guess technically it was on the ice a conversation that really cemented it for me. But this is a guy who got promoted to part time captain of the team after Kirby Doc's injury, and you saw him this after Team Canada lost. They took the silver medal. They all lined up for the anthems. Byram clearly pretty distraught in the lineup and he's still able to gather himself, get himself together. He has to go up and hand out silver medals to the rest of the team and keep these guys together in the IIHF, which is kind of known for incidents happening when it comes to these medal ceremonies. Linus Anderson, look at you. (laughs) And, and Canada kept it together. He led that team in a loss, kept his head held high ultimately. And just, the model hockey player, I suppose. Look, if you ever if you ever want to know what kind of competitor Bowen Byram is, just think about last night. That dude had every reason in the world, and everybody would have understood. He had every reason in the world to take that loss and say, okay, this is a top five pick. This is a guy that has destroyed the WHL. This is a guy who won a gold medal at this all this tournament already in his life last year. This is a guy who didn't have anything left to prove to any of these people in any of these buildings, anybody on the ice on either team. He had nothing left to prove to any of these people. And instead of instead of shrugging it off, and he's he already knew he was going home for a day, and then he was flying to Colorado to chill out before a Stanley Cup contending team is going to give him a freaking job and say, hey, help help lead us, help take us to the promised land of a Stanley Cup. He had every reason to just be like, I gave it my best. There was nothing more that I could do. And instead, he was destroyed. He was mortified that they had lost on home ice with all the expectations of a country All of the weight of expectations you could just see on his face. You could just see in how he processed that loss. And what did he do? He kept his very clearly upset. And Dylan Cousins, mad props to him for for kind of shielding him when the camera wanted to get in Byram's face. And Cousins was like, no, 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 no. And steps up in front of him a little bit and is like, let the guy be. Mad props to Dylan Cousins, who was also yeah, awesome. At this arguably tournament. the best player in the entire yeah, tournament. Awesome <laughs> at this tournament. But then then they ask Byram, the, you know, he's wearing the C. He just happened to be wearing the C on that on that night. Had it been reversed, we may never have seen this. Had it been cousins wearing the C who had to do all these things because they were sharing it. Instead, Byram has to do it. He had every reason in the world to just be like, I'm Bo Byram. It's no big deal. I'll be in Denver at the end of the week competing for a Stanley Cup. All these other guys, Zeke Ross and Stutzla and Cousins and all these other cats are going to compete for jobs on scrub NHL teams. And this dude's going to go and steal some veteran's job on a cup contending blue line. And instead of him getting all of all of the big big ego and all of all of the, you know, the trying to big time anybody, he owned every every single inch of that loss. He felt it and he wore it on his shoulder and that 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 just tells you what kind of kid he is. That tells you what kind of dude he is. Tells you what kind of man he's going to be and it just it just goes to show like Kale McCarr has exceeded expectations that were already through the roof and I've I have tried so hard to temper the Byram hype because it's what what's happened with McCarr is incredibly rare. And if it happens again with Bo Byram the Avs are a dynasty, a legitimate dynasty, a legitimate. They are going to win six cups in eight years. Unstoppable freaking machine. If Byram continues on the path that he's on right now. As 
as Cygnus says with saying he guarantees the Avs player notice that too, you put someone like a Bowen Byram on a team with that passion and you get him focused on a Stanley Cup next to a Nathan McKinnon and you end up with that unstoppable, undeniable laser focus of teams, players on one mission to get a thing done. And the NHL better watch the hell out, basically. I mean, Ray Ferraro couldn't even contain his unbridled (laughs) optimism about Colorado's future right now. And there was a reason for that. Like, Ray Ferraro was one of the absolute best in the business. And that dude could not handle a Bowen Byram shift without being like, oh, and now he's just now he's just gonna casually go and join Sam Gerard and Kale McCard, Devon Taves, and Eric Johnson. Like, oh, it's just oh, all right. Good luck, NHL. <laughs> like, you guys are about to get run through. The West Division is about to get dominated. And Bowen Byron's performance. Like, we've said this a lot on this podcast in the last year because it's been true every time, but the rest of these guys better watch the hell out because this team, like, it's it's already a cup contender, but Ruto and I have said multiple times, there's a really good chance that three years from now they're even better and by a quite a a potentially significant margin. And what we saw from Bo Byram at WJCs, it's not us overreacting to one tournament. Because it's been like this for two full years for this guy. He's been single-handedly dragging Vancouver to competitiveness in the, right, in like, the WHL. So they, like those Giants teams were okay. They were they were okay. They were solid. Like those are good WHL teams. They were not should be in Game Seven of the, the WHL finals. finals. Yeah, this should not. Be, but Byram. Put that team on his back. Like yeah. Greg Jennings yes. style. Put him on his back. <laughs> and dragged that team. Like the carried that be running, team. Though. <laughs> carried that team. <laughs> and like a stacked Canadian team for him on a team full of first round picks. For that guy to stand out that much from his teammates tells you what kind of prospect that he is. He is a he is a he is an elite, true blue chip, otherworldly prospect. The guy is incredible, and if he if he translates this to the NHL the way that we think he's going to, the real the real question is is how fast does it happen? Because yeah. if he takes this confidence and he takes the drive, and he turns that into okay, well now we're going to go do something special in the NHL. It's not just Nathan McKinnon. I mean, they've also got oh by the way, Kale McCarr is still there. Like, <laughs> Kill McCarr is just still there. Somehow, in a guy that has that has been a point-per-game player for three years and is arguably the best right wing in the NHL, just gets lost in this conversation. <laughs> but, oh, by the way, Miko Rantanen is also just chilling, waiting to drop another 30 goals in 56 games. Like... AJ's mind is blown, having started covering the Avs with then BSN in the worst year of Avs history. Uh, and now, well, now to an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, the second year of my professional career covering a 48-point team start to finish <laughs> and not knowing what to talk about in January because I didn't have any more, well, they're really bad guys left in my system. <laughs> now it's all, this now you're like, on, well, they're really good guys. <laughs> this is like when you talk about a rebuild like this is this is what this is legitimately the kind of shit that you pull when you're playing NHL via GM mode where you're just like fleecing GMs and you're forcing trades through and all of your prospects are living up to their potential and it's just it's the stupidest thing and it works and somehow this is the real world I don't I don't understand as much as I respect what Vegas is doing and as much as St. Louis forces you to respect their program and how consistent they are in their competition. Colorado is about to dominate them. And all of this, all of this chatter. And as the chat is picking up, we haven't even gotten to the gold medal winning avalanche prospect. Yeah. The guy that actually walked out of there with the chip. None of these fools. Nope. All of that hype. 
and you still have Drew Hellison, who helped Team USA to, let's be honest, most of these shutouts as their most reliable defensive defenseman by a mile. When you're playing next to Jake Sanderson on <laughs> their top-ish pairing, yeah, they didn't sure. really have they didn't really have a true top, like what you think of as a top pairing. But they put him next to Sanderson and it worked. Yep. And the funny thing is, is it worked in such a way that you're like, oh. Imagine putting that next to any of the puck movers on the avalanche. (laughs) You know, Jake Sanderson, really good skater, really good defender. Left-handed, can get up the ice and exit the zone anytime that he wants. Don't know about the offensive profile. Could be better. Not elite, though. But boy, he does a lot of that stuff defensively real well. And you're just like, so this is what life next to Sam Gerrard's going to be like, huh? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, if that was not the kind of showcase, I mean, that is a perfect showcase for Drew Hellison. Yep. Relative to expectations walking in, Drew Hellison was the most impressive player for the Avalanche organization at WGCs. And. I think in a lot of ways, Hellison's tournament was the exact opposite of Barron's, where Barron kind of went downhill as the tournament went on. Hellison, I thought, started off a little bit shaky. That first game, especially against Russia, he had some some moments where his puck movement was a bit dicey. But as the tournament went on, he locked in, tightened everything up, and just legitimately became a defenseman that forwards don't want to play against. That's a dude who shuts people down. Well, and we've talked about the physicality. The guy's mean. I mean, you see you see him, and it's not so much that he smokes people with the big open ice hits. It's that they go into the corner yep. with the puck, and he just, like, You're entering the bear's den at that point. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, like, straight up, like, 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 disturbing him during hibernation, where he's just like, <laughs> I guess I just have to maul you until I get what I want now, which just happens to be the puck, which he was significantly better with yep. than we had previously seen him. This was a guy that we saw a lot of at BC last year, and he did not at any point look as good as he did during this tournament. By the end of it, Drew Hellison was awesome. And no he argument was, against it. Like, it, smart decisions, effective, really good shifts, short shifts, strong shifts, reliable. Not a guy that just... It was not a guy that was making mistakes. It's... Even uh, with... The admission that he straight up magooed his way to four points in this tournament. <laughs> I mean, the goal, <laughs> well, the, the the goal that he scored off of his foot yeah. from twenty five feet out was hilarious. But you get a little bit of the Connor Timmins factor there, right? You don't get those fluky points if you're not in the right position to be effective in the game. The thing that caught me by surprise, by far the most, with Hellison was the offensive instincts. Yep. Because how did he how does he score that fluky goal? What's he doing? Driving, Driving the towards net. the net. Yep. And you saw there were there were two instances last night. Team Canada, gold medal game, all the pressure in the world. The entire bored ass hockey world has nothing better to do is watching you guys. And what's that guy doing? He's just doing his thing. He drive in the net. I saw him two different occasions just jump right into the play. And they were both the right decision. He saw an opening, and one of them almost ended up in uh, him scoring a backdoor goal off of it. He looked just—it was just like what we used to see Nick Holden do all the time. Yep. And you start to see that, and you're like, "Oh man, if he puts those offensive, those offensive instincts are there, and they start to work, and they—they they, if they start to show up consistently, you combine that with a strong defensive game, and he's always been a good skater." And he's got great size. The guy's 6'3 and 205 pounds today. He's going to fill out a little bit more. Oh, boy. That's – I I don't know what else to say. The Avs uh, prospect pool is is out of, out of control on every level with with some of the stuff we've seen at this tournament. That, that Justin Barron was the worst of their prospects and still, to me, looked like a surefire NHL player – Yep. Is what you is all you really need to know about their overall performance. You've got two star caliber players, and then two guys that look like they're going to have really valuable ELCs. Yep, uh, Hellison's rights are held through the rest of his college career. Yeah, he's got three. This is his second year, so it's two more years after the end of this one. 
expectations are he'll do one more year in college after this one, but we'll see. If he finishes this year strong at BC, you never know. I mean, could you imagine? I'm, we're talking about on oh, the uh, the Eagles don't really have very many D prospects, and then Drop next year Barrett and Hellison they open up. It's like Barron and Hellison, and they don't know what to do with Connor Timmons, so he's down there again, and it's yeah. just like, hmm. Oh. <laughs> These guys might be pretty good. Ooh. Yeah, Avs run a ten eight lineup. There you go. As just just as somebody um, who watches a lot of defensemen, and it's certainly the thing that I would say I'm most uh, I, I just gravitate towards most. Drew Hellison looked really good at this tournament. Um, he really just he stood out uh, in a way that defensive defensemen typically don't, and Granted, because he he's the Avs' lone USA prospect, it was easier to look for him. Yeah, for sure. But that was also a guy that there were certain things that he did. Like, you and I were playing video games together one night, yep. and he scored that goal from where he threw the puck at the net and it went in. Yep. And we were like, oh, they scored. It was one nothing, and neither one of us knew who it was. And your reaction said it all. I wish we could have clipped it. <laughs> because you said was that bleep 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 Drew Hellison, and it was just like so genuinely shocked, and that was I found myself having that reaction several times through their games, where it was like, "Dude, Drew Hellison is doing things." Yep. Did he actually just do that? And it was yeah. Drew Hellison every single time. Yeah. Where I was like, I kept, I kept being like, "That's three, right? That's three. Nope. That's t- nope. That's two. <laughs> Again, it's two. <laughs> I, it was very impressive from Drew Ellison. Uh, not quite the same level of the abs are about to dominate everybody hype as Bo and Byram. Yeah, well, but but we kind of expected that from Byram coming in. Yeah, um, I didn't expect this from Drew Ellison, and for him to walk out uh, with a gold medal from our what could de- turn into the greatest American generation, um, boy, that's good for him. He absolutely earned it. Hell yeah, man. That was fun. This was a fun episode. I needed this today. Um, yeah, uh, a later episode because there were certain things real happening. world elements uh, yeah. happening in Washington, D.C. that we kind of wanted to let breathe for a minute. They're still ongoing. Um, less imminent, at least. But Yeah, you know, less, less physical occupation. Yeah, uh, you know. Something. Not to, not that we're like making light of it, like ha ha ha. That's but I mean, yeah. It was that was that's why we're doing this right now. That's why we're doing this tonight. Um, we just wanted to let it breathe a little bit and get away from it. Uh, it would have felt wildly tone deaf to do it at one p.m. Yeah, for for us to have done it like while things were mid, like like right at their apex, and I was just trying to picture us going on Twitter and being like. Come having hang out this conversation of losing our minds over Bowen Byram. Yeah, right. All like, of that, yeah. Bowen, Bowen Byram is going to be so special <laughs> in this, this game of hockey. Yeah. Someday, also. these games that these adults play. Yeah, <laughs> well. Just a mess, man. For sure. Uh, hopefully, at least this provided some uh, escape for those of you that needed it. Um Obviously, AJ and I are extremely excited about the Avs' future at this point. Tomorrow, I'm super excited for tomorrow's episode. Uh, We are having Marissa and Jimmy come on to talk about the NWHL and give us a full season preview of the NWHL. What to watch, and uh, hopefully she helps us pick our teams. Go whale, Go whale. Okay, so hopefully she helps me pick a team. (laughs) I, did, I was not aware that Ruda already had decided, but <laughs> I'm super excited. NWHL preview tomorrow on an avalanche off day. Friday will be free skate Friday. Per usual, this is going to be, it's going to be, a, we're going to have a lot of fun the rest of this week. So, yeah. you know, Absolute the usual. Blast. Absolute blast. We are sponsored by Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD-infused coffee that has really changed lives, can help with migraines, IBS, joint pain, anything else, aches and pains-wise. Give it a try today. Use code DNVR20 to get 20% off when you purchase at Strava Craft Coffee. 
youtube.com. Of course, remember to like this video and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It really helps us out a ton as we're trying to grow the YouTube scene right now. If you haven't checked out our season preview videos, highly recommend. We had our graphics team slaving away for us on those. We're up through about half the lineup now, probably with half the lineup still to go over the next week until the release of the NHL season. Um, yeah, it's it's been a fun week. It's going to be a fun week more leading up to the season, and then we're going hard all season long. Hope you guys have a great rest of your night. And as AJ said, we will talk to y'all once again tomorrow. 